Oh. Ah. Ah! I like my dish served without the crow feathers, please. Oh, hello. The key word tonight for this show, embarrassment. Embarrassment on two fronts. One, yours truly. Yes, I will take the absolute embarrassment. For me, I told you at the beginning of August that there was no chance that a certain team was going to make it. That a team that was absolutely cold in July, struggling in the beginning of August, was going to make it. But for the first time in over 10 years, excuse me, over 11 years, the Toledo Mudhens are going to the Governor's Cup playoffs. Unbelievable. I can't believe I've said that. For the first time in over 13 years, the Mudhens, excuse me, 12 years, 12 years, I'm looking at my notes again, over 12 years since the Mudhens have won a division. That says a lot. So I'm embarrassed that I didn't I didn't have any faith in the Mudhens. But you also want to know what else is embarrassing? The fact that we couldn't get the job done in Eugene. And lack of leadership. In the players and coaching staff of this Falcon team. What are we, a high school team? Embarrassing. Embarrassment. But one thing is for certain. You will never be embarrassed to listen to this program. Because this is all Andy Alford. Right here on the Anchor Network. Whether it be iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Now. However you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, and whenever you're listening to me. Thank you for tuning in to the program tonight. And I love you guys and welcome into this Tuesday edition, the 4th of September, 2018. I am your host, Andy Elford, welcoming you into the studios here in Toledo, Ohio, and welcoming you into another edition of the program. Got a lot to get into tonight, of course, before, but before we begin, I want to thank you for listening into this podcast and thank you for subscribing. If you haven't subscribed, what are you doing? Hit that subscribe button and pass the podcast along to your friends, family, coworkers. However, whenever you're listening to us, tell somebody about this podcast because this is this is pretty big. And uh, I also want to thank you, the listeners and viewers of the show. We had a good turnout Friday night for our Falcon Friday, first Falcon Friday edition of the program. We'll be back on this upcoming Friday for another Falcon Friday edition of the program as we'll preview the college football spectrum. As well as dive in the NFL. Yes, the NFL is back, folks. We got one game to preview tonight. 
on the program. We'll also recap what happened on the gridiron and the embarrassment that is Bowling Green football. We'll talk about that tonight as well. And we'll talk also about the Indians as well. But first and foremost, you can always be a part of the show by following me on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at all Andy Alfred. So welcome into the program tonight. So let's dive right into it. And we would start usually with college football. But I but this is so impressive and impressive that I have to dive right into it right away. And like I said before in the intro, I will say it again. For the first time in over eleven years, the Toledo Mudhens are going to the Governor's Cup playoffs. Now, in the beginning of the season, I had serious doubts about this team. I had serious doubts. I figured that the Mudhens would, you know, struggle with the new management and Doug Mankiewicz, you know, and they surprised me. April and May, absolutely fantastic play. They were hitting the ball off the cover. Pitching was great. You know, you had Nico Goodrum, all the good guy, all the players that are now up in Detroit. Absolute studs. April and May was fantastic for this team. The beginning and middle of June were was okay for this club. And then we get into the end of June and into July, and the club struggled. Absolutely cold in the bat department as well as into the pitching and the rotation as well, too. But they sucked it up. They found a way. And then management up in Detroit decided, we're not going to make the playoffs this year, so we're not going to call anybody up. You know, we're going to... The only time we'll call somebody up is if somebody gets hurt, somebody gets injured, whatever, you know, a situation is needed, we'll call somebody up. And I, I, I applaud Rod Geyer for that. Absolutely implored Ryan Geyer Heyer for that. So, with that, and I will say it again, I, I, can't, I can't keep saying this. For the first time in over 11 years, the Toledo Mudhens are in the playoffs. And let's talk about how they got there. For the final four games of the regular season that ended in Columbus, and they took three of four from Columbus. After beating Indianapolis, taking two or three from Indianapolis on Thursday, the Mudhens get the job done in Columbus, taking three of four. And it started Friday night. Cervanka the win. He goes to three and two with a two point three six ERA. Ramirez the loss. He goes to two and one with a three point three eight ERA. As the Mudhens cruise to a three two victory. Kristen Stewart homered his twenty third. Chad Huffman his twelfth of the season. As Barbeto gets the save his twelfth of the season. Then you get to Saturday, which is one of the key games for the Mudhens. They needed to win a game on Sat to win the game Saturday to set up what Sunday would enfold. And they shut out the Clippers one to nothing. And the only run scored in the game was Dixon Machado, Skippy himself, getting a home run his first of the season as Turnbull gets the win. He goes to 1-1 one one with a 2.03 ERA. The former Mudhen himself, Adam Wilk, gets the loss. He goes to 6-9 with a 3.66 ERA as Houston gets to save his 10th of the season. So now we get to Sunday. 
And here's the stipulation for the Mudhens on Sunday. A win and an Indianapolis loss, and they win the division. A win and they clinch a playoff spot, whether it be the wild card or the division. And two five-run innings in the third and fifth inning, led by David Robinson's homer, his fourth of the season, as the Mudhens cruise to a 10-4 victory, thus clinching a playoff spot, whether it be a division or a wild card spot. Hall gets the win. He goes to 4-0 with a 2.67 ERA. Chinley, the loss, he goes to 4-5 with a 5.01 ERA. So the Mudhens clinching a playoff spot as they cruise to a 10-4 victory over the Clippers. So it determined between Louisville and Indianapolis. Four-game series down at Louisville Slugger Park. And the Bats provide the victory. And for the first time in over 12 years, the Toledo Mudhens have won the International League West Division. Unbelievable. Un- absolutely unbelievable. They were popping the champagne in Huntington Park, in the locker room, celebrating in the Arena District. The visitors were... I wish I was down there. You know what would be also... I'll make mention of this right now. You know what would be great? If we were celebrating a Columbus Blue Jacket Stanley Cup at that time. But I digress. That's another, that's another subject. We get to Sunday's game. Really didn't really matter as much because the Mudhens already clinched the division. And the Mudhens lose, unfortunately, 8-1. to Warren Sopel, the loss, he goes to 3-2 and with a 4.89 ERA. As Merritt gets the win, he goes to 3-3 three and three with a 3.79 ERA for Columbus. As the Clippers cruise to an 8-1 victory, Bradley his third. Chang, his, Chang had two, his 12th and 13th of the season. Brantley his second. And the former Blue Jay himself, Josh Donaldson, homering Grand Slam to McConnell Boulevard as his first as a Clipper and first in the Indians organization as they cruise to an 8-1 victory. So with that, then, that ends the regular season. And let's look at the IL standings, the final IL standings for the division. For the Mudhens, they finish with a record of 73-66, and 7-3 in their last 10. Their record overall at home, 36-34, and on the road, 37-32. and Columbus finishes with a record of 73-67, and so does Indianapolis at 73-67. and Both teams finished a half game out of first place. Both teams 40-30 and on the road at home and 33-37 and on the road. Louisville finishes with a record of 61-76, and 11 games out of first place, 32-38 and at home, and 29-38 and on the road. So the Mudhens winning the division by a half game, that tells you a lot right there. That absolutely tells you a lot right there. So with that, we now go into the Governor's Cup playoffs. The number one overall seed is the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs with a record of 84-56. and 56. They get the number one overall seed. They'll play the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders, who are 73-65, same team that's in the IL North. They finished 10 games below Lehigh Valley, and it's a best-of-five series for them. So Toledo will play 
the Durham Bulls. Durham knocked out Toledo in 2007. That was the last time we made the playoffs. Um, it was a three-game sweep. It's a best-of-five series. It all starts tomorrow night at the ballpark at Fifth Third Field. The Mudhens will get two games, game one and two at home, before transferring this series down to Durham Athletic Park Complex in downtown Durham for a three-game series against the Bulls. The starters look like this for games one through three and a possible for four for the Mudhens. Weber will start for the Bulls in game one. It will be Ryan Carpenter for the Mudhens in game one, 635 first pitch for that one. In game two, it will be Jacob Turner for the Mudhens on the hill. He'll take on Pruitt at 635 as well, Two. The game on Friday in Durham, it will be Wenju Hugh on the hill for Durham. It will be Turnbull on the hill for the Mudhens. He is 1-1 one one with a 2.03 ERA in the regular season. Um, and then Saturday, if possible, it will be Hall on the hill. Hall this year is 4-0 with a 2.67 ERA. Durham has not yet named a starter for Game 4. So the Mudhens and the Bulls, Game 1. Get your tickets now by calling 419-725-HENS or visit the Mudhens website, ToledoMudhens.com. Get down to the ballpark. You can go down to the ballpark and get your tickets as well. Get down to the game. These are the last two games of the season possibly. I don't know if, it, if, they, make it, if they make the next round or not. I can't give you a prediction on this because it's International League Baseball. This is, uh, you know, but for me, I'm rooting for the Mudhens to see if they can you know, continue the winning page and know and get over the hump and beat Durham. Uh, they can't get through Durham this past year. They lost the series two games to three at home here at Fifth Third Field. They go down to Durham. They lose three of four to Durham. I, I can't make a judgment call because both teams have lost key pieces. But if I had to had to pick anything, I would pick I would pick Toledo in the series because of how well their their rotation has been. But we shall see. We shall see what happens. I I think it will go it will go at least four games, possibly five. It might go the full length. We'll see. And the winner of the Durham Toledo series will play the winner of the Lehigh Valley Scranton series. I think the the Rail Riders have got a long road ahead of them. Lehigh Valley has not gotten any call ups. And I think personally, I think it's Lehigh Valley's versus whoever be- between Toledo and Durham. It's we'll see, we'll absolutely see. So, like I said, get down to the ballpark, enjoy the ball, the final two games. And you know, you don't get to see playoff. We it's been ten, it's been over eleven years since we've seen playoff baseball in the city, and it's just fantastic to see. You know what else is fantastic? That you're listening to this podcast and you're listening to All Indie Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network. Whether it be iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me. Thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And now let's talk about the next stage up for the Mud Hens, and that is the Detroit Tigers. And a big series for them in the Bronx. And a surprise whatsoever. So the Tigers headed into the Bronx to take on the New York Yankees in a big four-game series. And getting the win Thursday night was a key piece for them. But unfortunately, on Friday, the the 
Tigers lost 7-5 in a rainy kind of a night in the Bronx. Geminis, the loss, he goes to 4-4 four four with a 4.58 ERA. As Britton gets the win, he goes to 2-0 oh with a 4.06 ERA. Nico Goodrum homered in the game, but it was uh, uh, Brett Gardner homered his 12th of the year. Alex Hicks, his 23rd, and Luis Aguilar, his 23rd of the season. As Robertson gets to save his 5th of the season as the Yankees cruise to a 7-5 victory over the Detroit Tigers. And then we get to Saturday. And Masahiro Tanaka having an outstanding game for the for the Yankees. Daniel Norris pitching a gem of ball game, five innings, no hit ball before he comes out with a cramp. And he gets a loss, unfortunately, in the game as Torres homered his 22nd of the year as the Yankees cruise to a 2-1 victory over the Detroit Tigers. Benintendis gets his second save of the season. Tanaka gets the win. He goes to 10-5 with a 3.83 ERA. Norris the loss. He goes to 0-3 with a 5.49 ERA. And then we get to Sunday. And the mud hit and the excuse me and the Tigers find a way to balance it all out and get the win. 11-7. Josh Boyd, the win he goes to 9-12 with a 4.24 ERA. The Loss goes to Lynn, who is 8-10 with a 5.10 ERA. No home runs hit for either team in that game, which is surprising to me because of how much how many runs were scored there and how the dimensions are at, at, uh, at Yankee Stadium and that short porch out left and right field. And no home runs hit in the game was absolutely amazing. Absolutely stunned on that one. So then the Tigers hit the road. Hit the road. They continue their road trip, and they headed into Chicago to take on the White Sox, the Chicago Go Go White Sox, and a great game for the Tigers. Fall short in the end as Davidson hits the walk off home run in the bottom of the ninth inning for the White for the Pale Hose, as the White Sox cruise to a four two victory. Fry gets the win. He goes to. 2-2 two two with a 3.86 ERA. Shane Green, the loss, he goes to 2-6 with a 4.72 ERA. Victor Martinez homered in the game. Had some key hits in this game, excuse me. And the White Sox cruise to a 4-2 victory. They'll continue this series in the south side of Chicago at the right field. It'll be Francisco Liriano on the hill, 3-9 with a 4.96 ERA. He'll take on Giolito, who is 10-9 with a 5.66 ERA. The concluding game on Wednesday, 8-10 start times for both tonight's game and tomorrow night's game is a good one. It'll be Jordan Zimmerman on the hill, 6-6 with a 4.22 ERA. He'll take on Lake Kopnik, who is 1-0 with a 0.82 ERA, and this kid is absolutely fantastic. We were a day short from seeing him, me and my cousin, at 5th, 3rd field. So that's going to be interesting to see how he does tomorrow. The Tigers are off Thursday. They'll open up a three-game series and a tribute to the 1986 championship year for the Tigers this weekend as they play the St. Louis Cardinals. Oh. Let's talk about another team that is finding some woes lately, and that is the Cleveland Indians. The Indians have lost two or three to the to the Rays and lost yesterday evening to the Kansas City Royals. On Friday, the Indians were a winner, though. On for, were the winner on Friday night 
over the Tampa Bay Rays, three to nothing. As Corey Kluber pitched a gem of a ball game, he gets the win. He goes to seventeen and seven with a two point eight zero ERA. Gladsell the loss. He goes to one and four with a three point nine five ERA. Edwin Encarnacion homered his twenty ninth of the season. As Brad Hand gets the thirty first save of the season for himself. Don't home runs hit for Tampa Bay in that game. Then we get to Saturday, and the believer himself on the hill struggled. And he gets the loss, unfortunately, his third loss of his career as the Rays cruise to a 5-3 victory over the Cleveland Indians. Snell gets the win for Tampa. He's 17-5 with a 2.02 ERA. The believer himself, Shane Beaver, 8-3 with a 4.66 ERA. Colerick gets the save, his second of the season, as Lowell homered for Tampa Bay, his second of the year, and Jason Kipnis, his 14th of the year. Then we get to Sunday. And Cookie Carrasco on the hill for the Tribe could not figure out the Tampa Bay offense as Tampa cruises to a 6-4 victory. The Arbor of the win, he goes to 13-5 with a 3.86 ERA. Cookie, the loss, he goes to 16-8 with a 3.52 ERA. Alvarado, his seventh save of the year as Low homered and Kroon homered, excuse me, Kroon homered, his 26th of the year. So then we get to Monday, Labor Day, the holiday itself. And by the way, I hope you guys all had a nice holiday. Kansas City comes to calling to Progressive Field. And Kansas City gets the win on Monday night, 5-1. to Jandis the win, he goes to 8-12 with a 4.32 ERA. Rick Bafasio homered. O'Haran homered twice in the game, his 8th and ninth of the season. And Dozier homered his 8th of the year for the Tribe. Luco gets the loss. He goes to now 4-5 with a 5.04 ERA. Francisco Lindor homered his 30th of the season as Hill gets to save his second of the season. So the Tribe losers of 3 of 4 their last four games. Uh, have lost 3 of 4 in their last four games. Tried to break the string tonight as as Clevenger, Mike Clevenger on the Hill 10-7 with a 3.17 ERA. He'll take on Brad Smith, who is 1-4 with a 6.53 ERA. 7-10 start for, time for that one. The concluding game of the homestand for the Tribe sees Corey Kluber on the Hill 17-7 with a 2.80 ERA. It will be Keller on the Hill. He is 7-5 with a 3.26 ERA. 1-10 start time for that one. You can watch all those games on FS Kansas City, as well as on Fox Sports Time Ohio. The, the Tribe then hits the road to take on the Toronto Blue Jays. Both teams have not yet named starters for the series opener on Thursday afternoon. So now let's take a look at the standings going into today's play. In the American League Central, the Indians still Holding strong with their 77-60 record. Minnesota 63-74. The Chicago White Sox at 56-82. Detroit is 55-83. And and the Kansas City Royals is a pathetic 46-91. In the American League East, the Boston Red Sox are holding strong with 95 wins and 44 losses. The Yankees 8.5 back in the in the standings at 86-52. Tampa Bay 74-63, 20 games out. Toronto is 62 and 75, 32 games out, and the Baltimore Orioles pathetic as always, 40 and 96, 54 and a half games out of first place. The American League West looks like this is a still a, now it's more opening up as a two-team race as Houston is 85 and 53 in first place. The A's 
are at 83 and 56, two and a half games out of first place. Seattle, eight games out of first place at 77 and 61. The Angels, 70, 67 and 71, 18 games out of first place. And Texas, at 60 and 78, 25 games out of first place. The National League looks like this. The Atlanta Braves are in first place at 76 and 61. Philadelphia is 72 and 65, four games out of first place. Washington at even 500 at 69 and 69, seven and a half games out of first place. The Mets are 62 and 75, 14 games out of first place. And the new and the Mets, excuse me, the Marlins, excuse me, are 55 and 83, 21 and a half games out of first place. The National League Central, the Cubs still in first place at 81 and 56. The Brew Crew at 78 and 61, four games out. But the Cardinals are surging at 76 and 62, five and a half games out of first place. Pirates 67 and 71, 14 and a half games out. Looks like they're not going to make it. Cincinnati definitely not going to make it at 59 and 79. The NL West is shaping up to be one of the divisions you have to take a look at. Colorado is in first place right now at 75 and 62. The defending National League champion Dodgers are 75 and 63, a half game out of first place, and Arizona is 74 and 64, a game and a half out of first place. Those three teams are racing each other out right now for the division. And San Francisco is 78 and 71, 70, 68 and 71, eight games out of first place, and San Diego is 55 and 85. 21 and a half games out of first place. Wild card, Yankees in first. Oakland holding the second wild card position. Seattle, a five and a half out of a wild card spot. In the National League, the Brewers are holding on to the first wild card spot, and the Cardinals are holding the second wild card spot, but the Dodgers only a game out. Arizona, two games out. Philadelphia, three and a half games out of first place. You also can't count out Washington, seven games out of a wild card spot. So the Major League Baseball is starting its way to the end to the end line, and you're seeing a lot of teams making moves. And the big move that was made during the during two trades that were done on unrestricted free agents and our teams being the trade wire before September first. One was Josh Donaldson to the to the Indians. I don't understand why they need Josh Donaldson. I I I just don't understand this. You're shuffling the offense now. And Donaldson's on the DL. He's not going to be playing in Akron since Columbus is not making the playoffs. He's going to be in Akron because Akron is in the playoff hunt. For me, you put Donaldson at third. You have to move Kipnis to center. Ramirez the second, Lindor to short, and you have Ramirez at at first, or Encarnacion at first, and then the outfield. You know, Brantley, you, move, you you can rotate him out. It's a it's a good question. The other one, big move was uh was uh, Andrew McCutcheon to the Yankees. That's a key piece for them. An absolute key piece for them. So we'll see what happens with that. As you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network. Whether it be Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Podcast Now. 
However you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in to the program tonight. And now, it is time, folks. It is time to hit the gridiron. And we'll start with the high school spectrum first and foremost. So the gridiron looks like this, folks. You know, surprises all around when it comes to the high school spectrum here in the local region. As as Tiffin Columbia gets the loss over Anthony Wayne, 31-24. to It was the Ayers Flyers, 44-7 to over the Ottawa Hill Green Bears. St. Francis cruising to a 52-14 victory over Bedford. It was Woodward losing to Bryan, 42-14. Clay losing to Northview, 20-13. Scott was a... Scott was a um, Winner over Fostoria, 45-13. Rogers loses to Delta, 20-13. It was Bowling Green High School, the Bobcats, losing to the Eastwood Eagles, 21-14. It was Lakota, 26. Elmwood, 19. Evergreen, a 48-0 victory over Montpelier. Upper Arlington, a winner, 49-42 over the Finley Trojans. It was Southfield, a winner, 21 to... Actually, it was... Yeah, 21 to, uh, let's see here, I got to just pull it up right here. It was actually a loss to Southview, 40 to 21 to Fremont Ross. It was Archbold, a winner, 28-27 over Liberty Benton. Perkins, the Buccaneers, a winner, loser to Mansfield, 35 to 34 in overtime. Patrick Henry loses to Marion, 42 to 7. It was Otsego, 57, New Albany, nothing. Cardinal Stritch loses to Pandora, Pandora Gilboa, 41-6. It was also Rossford losing to Port Clinton, 47-33. The Blue Streaks get the win over Huron, is 35-7. Wasion 36 to Nora, 7. Arcadia loses to Toledo Christian, 48-3. And here's a big news flash for you folks. The Wayne Indians are 20, have won... Two games, 21 and twenty-one to six, over the Maumee Panthers this past weekend. Whitmer loses to Detroit Central Catholic thirty-five to seven, and Woodmore loses to Gibsonburg thirty-eight to twelve. So week two of high school football is in the books. So now let's talk about it. When I began the program tonight, I said embarrassment was key. That is the key word of the day. Embarrassment. As Bowling Green headed in to Eugene, Oregon. To take on the Ducks. Tom Ulrich and his Oregon Ducks. You know what? I, I, he used to be my old high school teacher. He now lives out there in Eugene. I want to give him a shout out and say hello. And his Ducks were impressive. And let me give you some thoughts on the game. I finally got the chance to watch it the other night. Got the chance to watch it. Looked over it. We looked dominant. We looked pretty good 
in the first you know first quarter. Up ten to seven. Deggy looking very, very good. Looking fantastic. Wide receiving core looking fantastic as well. Now we let it in possession most of this game. And then all of a sudden, 28 points unanswered. Twenty-eight points unanswered. What 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 else else is there to do? It was mental mistakes. Mental mistakes. And coaching needs to teach these boys a lot better. You can't get wrapped up in where you're playing at and who you're playing against. You really can't. You have a job to do, and that is to you know, go out and play the best as you can and get the win. And Bowling Green didn't do that on Saturday. Oh, no. Oh, no. They embarrassed us on national television. This game wasn't on well, ESPN3. No, it was on the Pac network the Pac-10 network embarrassing absolutely embarrassing I'm going to play you some clips here in a second about the from the Mike Jenks presser but I want to talk about this game first I want to talk about Deggie's performance Deggie fantastic 20 for 38, 253, three touchdowns, two INTs. You can't really do that, kid, against Oregon because they'll make you pay. Claire gets 25 touches for 113 yards, as long as the run was 28 yards. Delaney, 12 touches for 36 yards in the game. Receiving core looked like this. Scotty Miller, 13 catches for 166, two TDs in the game. Anthony Clare, two cares, two catches, 15 yards, the other TD. The only three TDs in the game for Bowling Green. Deggie had one fumble and one lost fumble. Oregon, Hubbard had a total of six TDs in the game. 10 for 21, 281 through the air, two INTs in the game. Verdell had 13 carries for 51 yards. Herb, Herbert had a total. Well, Herbert was the one that provided all the scoring. He had one TD on the ground and five of the air. So six touchdowns for one guy. Griffin, one catch, 83 yards, one TD. One catch, 83 yards. And he carried most of those bowling green guys all the way to the end zone. All the way. Red had two catches for 81 yards, two TDs. Johnson, one catch, 40 yards for a TD. Mitchell, three catches for 26 yards, one TD for Oregon in this game. Embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. Then you look at the matchups. Bowling Green had 21 first downs. Oregon had 21 first downs. Total yards, 
504 to Oregon, 389 to Bowling Green. 292 through the air for Oregon, 253 for Bowling Green. 212 on the ground for Oregon, 136 uh, for Bowling Green. Penalties killed us. Five penalties for 50 yards. Oregon, three penalties for 35 yards. Three turnovers for either team. One fumble and two interceptions. Bowling Green, the only thing Bowling Green led besides the first quarter of play was the possession. They had 38 minutes and three seconds in possession to Oregon's 21-57. So, I'll say it again. It was embarrassing. And then we get to today, get to yesterday. Um, didn't get a chance to go down for the presser. Um, but, you know, I'm just going to play it. I'm just going to play it. So, this is Mike Jenks. This is courtesy of the Bowling Green, Bowling Green feed from their media production. So, here we go. I just watched the first 10, 15 minutes, and I kind of turned the tape off. Didn't really watch much more. Uh, Is there something that? Uh... I'm kidding, right there. No, uh, um, guys, we we got to be we, we got to be mentally tougher. Okay, um, um, you know that was a very talented football team that we played uh, um, uh, in Eugene on, uh, on on Saturday afternoon. But uh, when I went back and I, and I broke down the tape, uh, a lot of the mistakes that we made were, were mental. Um, you know, uh, the first what, uh, strip sack that we got uh, was on the slide protection. And we're sliding left, kind of a max protection type deal. Where we, well, we went right, the left tackle went right. And yeah, Jelks is a really good football player, but he's even better when you don't block it. Um, uh, so those, those are things that uh, we could control the snap. Know, being high uh, and going uh, you know, through his hand, that's that's nine-point swing in about 30 seconds. And then, uh, you know, in, in college football, professional football, momentum is a, a very powerful thing, and uh, that place got rocking. Um, and, and, and we kind of got wide-eyed a little bit and, and, and down on, didn't handle that the right way. Um, yeah, you got you didn't handle it the right way, Mike, because your guys weren't ready. Here's the fact for this. Bowling Green has these guys have played in bigger stages. When Jenks got into the program, he went out. He took the team down to Bowling Green, uh, down to down from Bowling Green. He took the team down to Ohio State. That's a big. That's a big program. Okay, you take them down there. All right, you take them down to Kentucky. That's a big program down there as well too. Okay, you're taking these guys to big name schools, and you know these guys that were freshmen are now becoming. Juniors and seniors. So these guys know how to play in big games, in big atmospheres, in big places, and moment. Are you kidding me? It's the fact that you had to get. You've had all summer to get these guys ready for this game. Okay, you had all summer to build this program up to what it needs to be and first of all it, it, but the, the, the fact is you, you 
it just boggles my mind of how this guy operates. How he operates. I told you, I will say it again, six wins. And we're 0-1 right now. About to be 0-2 if we, if, if we played the same way like we did against Maryland this upcoming week at the home opener. We shall see. Embar- it's embarrassing. Let me play a little bit more. We could play with them. We could play with them. And we could have. And like you said, you know, if we didn't fail to execute in the second half, you know, and and, and I, I agree with them on the statement that bringing back your starters tells you something. Bringing the starters back onto the field when you could be starting your second team or third team. It tells you something that your program is starting to get better, but it's not going to get better when you're only you're giving up 58 points. It just isn't. So that was some of the Mike Jenks presser from Monday. It's Bowling Green lost 58 to 21, 24 on Saturday. They now set up for their home opener against Maryland this upcoming Saturday, six o'clock kickoff. At Doik Perry Stadium. We'll preview that on Friday for the Falcon Friday edition of All Andy Alford. And then, yours truly, on the 15th, Miami Day, of course, we'll head down to Bowling Green to see them play Eastern Kentucky in FBS school. Hopefully, we'll get a victory in that part. We'll have a show upcoming for that as well, too. So, stay tuned for that. So, let's uh, dive a little bit more into the rest of the college football spectrum with the rest of the top 25 as well as Ohio State without Urban Meyer. How did they do against the Beavers of Oregon State? So after talking about BG for a while, let's let's dive into the rest of the college spectrum. Notre Dame getting a 24-17 win over Michigan. Shane Patterson 20 for 30, 227 for one INT. No touchdowns in the game. The only true touchdown that Michigan got was Higgin, 21 carries for 72 yards, one TD. His longest run was 10 yards in the game. 
Collins, three catches for 66 yards, and they also had a punt return in the game, the two point two touchdowns that Michigan scored. Brandon Wilbush, 12 for 22, 170, one TD, one INT in the game. He also had 19 carries for 59 yards on the ground for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish as the Irish cruised to a 24-17 win over the Michigan Wolverines. So then, we're talk, continuing on that spectrum, no Urban Meyer. Uh, let me go back to the Michigan-Notre Dame game really quickly before we talk about Ohio State. That game was one of the best games I've seen in a long time, folks. It was hard-hitting, back-and-forth drama. you know. And we were wait- I was waiting. I-, I had dinner Saturday night with my old broadcast partner, the one and only Nick the Money Man Devera. And I have to uh I'll talk to talk to him about something he asked me about later on in the program. But we had dinner together, we watched Notre Dame, Michigan, and we were just taken of how, you know, Notre Dame was just staying with it, hammering the ball, two great passes by Wimbush that set up the touchdowns. Absolutely fantastic play by him. No, and reads that you you wouldn't see a, a typical quarterback do. And he did a fantastic job. Notre Dame is going to be surprising a lot of people. They play Ball State this week. Western Michigan goes to Michigan for their home opener this week as well. We'll preview all the games on Friday's edition of All Andy Alford. But Ohio State, how about the Buckeyes? How about them Buckeyes? Cruising to a 77-31 win over Oregon State without Urban Meyer. And for Ohio State, Haskins, 22 for 30, 313 in the air, 5 TDs, 1 INT in the game. Mike Weber had 20 carries for 186 yards, 3 touchdowns in the game. His longest run was 49 yards. J.K. Dobbins, 15 carries for 74 yards. His longest run was 10 in the game. Mitchell was also placed in the game, 3 for 4 for 33 yards for Ohio State. For Oregon State in the game, it was blunt. 12 for 19, 169, two TDs in the game. Adrian Pierce, 11 carries for 186 yards, two touchdowns in the game as Oregon State loses to Ohio State 77 to 31. A little bit more into the diving for for you. uh, KJ Hill, six catches for 82 yards. McLaren, four catches for 121 yards, two TDs in the game. Looking at the the breakdowns, uh, Oregon State had 15 first downs to Ohio State's 35. Total yards altogether, Ohio State had 721 total yards of offense, 392 for Oregon State, 346 through the air for Ohio State, 375 on the ground for Ohio State, 196 for Oregon State, and 196 on the ground for Oregon State. Six penalties for 50 yards for Ohio State. Five penalties for 49 yards in the game. Ohio State led in the possessions 31-16 to 28-44. Both teams had two turnovers in the game. So, like I said, this looks like this. In the the Mid-America Conference, some of the big games, of course, Western Michigan playing Michigan this upcoming week. We'll, we'll preview all these games on Friday, excuse me. 
and as well as Notre Dame playing Ball State. Maryland is at Bowling Green, and Ohio State taking on Rutgers this week. Other top 25 games look like this. Michigan State was a winner 38-31 over Utah State. It was Wisconsin 34-3 over Western Kentucky. San Diego State loses to Stanford 31-10. Texas getting the loss to Maryland 34-29. FAU loses to Oklahoma 63-14. TCU 55-7 over Southern. Clemson was a winner 48-7 over Furman. How about Washington losing to Auburn in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game, 21-16. Austin P loses to Georgia, 45-0. West Virginia getting a 40-14 win over Tennessee. Appalachian State putting a scare against the Nittany Lions up Penn State in overtime, losing Appalachian State losing 38-45 to Penn State. Uh, USC a 43-21 win over UNLV. Boise State getting a 56-20 win over Troy. Mississippi State was a winner 63-6 over SF Austin. It was Louisville losing to Alabama 51-14. Crimson Tides for real, folks. LSU getting a win over Miami and shocking the Hurricanes 33-17. And Virginia Tech shocking Florida State 24-3. And I have to make mention of this as well, too. The University of Toledo getting a win over VMI 66-3. Don't really want to talk about that game because UT's on a bye this upcoming week. Doesn't really make much sense on that front. As you're listening to All Andy Offer tonight right here on the Anchor Network, wherever you're listening to me, however you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in to the program tonight. And um, we're getting closer and closer to the end of the program this evening. So we're going to dive a little bit more into this upcoming week. Of course, it is kickoff week in the National Football League. Yes, the NFL is back, and Thursday Night Football is back. Is the NFL kickoff game as the Atlanta Falcons take on the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles will be raising their banner at First Federal Field in Philadelphia. Matt Ryan... And Julio Jones taking on Philadelphia. Nick Foles and crew. If I have to pick this game, which I am going to pick this game right now, I will take the Atlanta Falcons. I think Atlanta's going to be a better team this year. I think they can... the, The big fear right now, the big thing is, I've been noticing lately that the teams that win... On their kickoff game, you know, the are the road team. Last year it was Kansas City over over New England. I think Atlanta's a better club this year. I think Atlanta will win, and they will beat the Philadelphia Eagles. And we will preview all the NFL games this upcoming Friday on the Falcon Friday edition of All Andy Alford. It will also be a Facebook Live edition of the program as well, too. So if you're a fan, f- friend of me on Facebook... Friend me on Facebook, and we'll you'll see the show live and in person. You'll see all my BG gear on for the Falcon Friday edition of the program. So stick around; it's gonna be a good show. As you're listening to all Andy offered tonight, right here on the Anchor Network. So we're now coming to the end of the program tonight, and it's now time for Andy rants. And before I begin, like uh, I do always. I want to thank you for tuning into the program tonight and making this show possible. 
It is you, the fans, that continue this, continue this show, and make this show what it is today. One of the best shows, and the best network to work for, and the best fans that I have had in a long time. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your continued support, and don't forget to keep passing this show on. We want to keep the subscription rates going, and we're getting now we're getting into the start of the NFL season, so. Pass this show along. It's going to be a fun ride. So, here is Andy Rance. This past weekend, we saw the end of an era in two things. As most of you know, I'm a fan of going to Cedar Point, And, of course, I love going to ride the rides past weekend was the end of an era for the Witch's Wheel, built in 1976. Had a good run. I, I enjoyed riding that ride. It was one of my favorite rides to ride in the park. Um, tossed you around a little bit, made you feel a little sick at some points, but um, a great ride overall to ride. And the end of the era, which is Dinosaurs Alive. And for the first time ever on on Monday, I went to the park, and I actually walked through Dinosaurs Alive with a colleague of mine, and uh, we both had a good time. We got to look at the animal, looked at the animatronic dinosaurs, and I could understand why Cedar Point was just was getting ready to take it down. It really wasn't that great of a feature for Cedar Point, in my opinion, and this is Andy Rance. In my opinion, the park should build two roller coasters by 2020. Sure, you're going to say to me, Well, Andy, why do they need to build two roller coasters? They just built Steel Vengeance. That's true. But in 2020, it will be the 150th year of Cedar Point's existence. 150 years. Can you believe it? And for most of us, I'll be 30 in another 50 years, which is when I'm 70. God forbid I'm still alive. Hopefully, I'm still alive. I will be alive to see the 200th anniversary of Cedar Point. And to what the park was when I was a kid, to what the park was when I was a teenager, to where it is now today, is absolutely mind boggling. My favorite ride when I was growing up going to the park, and don't tease me about this, and you can definitely tease me about it on, on Twitter, was the fact that I like to ride the mine ride. I grew out of the mine ride and rode Gemini. We like Gemini. And my favorite ride in the park right now is Magnum. It was built in 89. The last roller coaster that was hand-welded and hand-built to me, this day is one of my favorite rides to ride in the whole park. You get a new experience every time you ride it. Whether it be the speed, whether it be the force, whether it be the air coming out from underneath your butt. Underneath your butt and lifting you out of the seat. It's one of those rides that you absolutely, hands down, had to put down as the, the top ten list. And for me... I have rode that ride in my career 75 times. 
we are now getting closer to, for me, a milestone at 100 rides. Will I get it at the end of the year? Probably not. But damn well hoping that they will never knock that ride down because that is one of the best rides in the park. True, I do like Steel Vengeance, the new ride that they built at Cedar Point. And if you ever get a chance to go to Cedar Point, take it, take full advantage of it. Now, bear in mind, I understand that Cedar Point can be expensive in some points. You know, Disney World is expensive, but Cedar Point should never be that expensive. But true, it's $72 at the gate and $20 to park your car. So before you even walk through the turnstiles, you're already spending $100. That's for one person. Imagine if it's a family of four. So in my opinion, enjoy and go to Cedar Point as much as you can. You know, make it be a vacation. Make it be experience. For me, I, I get a platinum pass every year. That might be an option for you as a family to get a, a platinum pass. Go as many times as you want. Three trips pays for itself. But the park always offers something else besides roller coasters. They have a beautiful beach, a nice water park, a stroll on, down its boardwalk, great food, and just the relaxed atmosphere that you get at the park. I love going to the park. And that's why Cedar Point is a place like no other. But the catchphrase that I always say is get to the point. And that's what you got to do. You have to get to the point to enjoy Cedar Point. And that's going to wrap it up for all Andy offered tonight right here. On the Anchor Network. And before I close shop tonight. I would really want to read this Twitter message that I got. From my old broadcast partner. Sir Nicholas Devera. He wrote on Twitter today. And a lot of you have made comments about it. And they were, you're asking me. Whether or not I'm going to fulfill this. He wrote a wager. If. The Chicago Bears have a better season than the Detroit Lions. All Andy Elford must sing the Bear Down Chicago Bears fight song on his show. And Darcy Jannon retweeted it, liked it. And I'm going to just say this to you, Nick. You're on. I will sing the Bear Down fight song, even though they got Khalil Mack. I still don't think they're going to be as as well. Lions seven and nine. I think the Bears will finish at least five and eleven. I will sing the Bear fight song. If you sing the forward down the field Lions song on this program. Ball's in your court. You gotta listen to the podcast. Will you accept the challenge? Nick the Money Man DeVera? We'll have to find out. 
on the next edition of All Andy Offer, which will be a Friday edition, a Falcon Friday edition. Remember, you can always listen to this podcast on any platform, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me, whenever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And as always, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. The game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams behind me, to the teams you root for at home, actually, and the, to my teams, the Tigers, the Indians, the Mudhens, who are playoff bound for the first time in over 11 years. I said it again. Over 11 years for the Walleye, the Blue Jackets, the Falcons, who need this win upcoming, huge win upcoming, and so much more. Victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great night, everybody, and I'll talk to you guys on Friday for another edition of All Andy Alfred. And remember, get to the point. There's a world apart, a place in your heart, can't you hear it call? Summer never ends at the amazement park where summer dreams come true. You work hard to earn this place in the sun. No place on earth comes close to the This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alfred Network, powered by Anchor.